and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who knows the best way to deal with the bear attack is jump head first from a high point and pray for a quick death. Mr. Lauren Bobgarden, Lauren! What's up, Brent Adams? How's it going, buddy? Welcome back to the Thank normal you. world, the post, a post-apocalypse, a post-E3, which is essentially it post-apocalyptic. Is like a, it is, because it was so damn good that week of E3 that the, the regular mundane world that we're living in now, this, this might as well be the zombie fucking apocalypse, man. That's right. Because all I see is a lot of people wandering around with their jaws clenching and their arms stretching out for the shit they saw and that they now can't have. They're desperate to hold it. They're, they're hungry to... Uh, have it in their mouths or anyway <laughs> oh my god the analogy uh, broke down i'll admit it i'll um, admit it but for a second there it was working <laughs> for about one second uh brent you know we record the show on monday nights it's unfortunately uh, currently around seven thirty p.m eastern time i agree and it is this is what i love about video games man i am giddy right now i literally i'm giddy because we're the, how we're like what four and a half hours four away? and a half hours i have to get up at four thirty in the morning so i can't stay up for a midnight launch but um yeah uh and my anniversary is tomorrow and so uh, <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna get to play the I've damn been game in that tomorrow. boat i've been in that boat too uh but i am dude i am giddy for batman at this point yeah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we are just a, a mere few hours away, and I'm glad we're doing this show because I need something to take my mind off of it. Right, right. Yeah my my wife's birthday is in uh, is in October, and so often there will be game releases in October that conflict with my husbandly duties uh, to Ooh, deliver to that. my wife a you know a good birthday party or a good birthday dinner. You know, like whatever our plans are. And there, there have been a couple of years where, but honey, <laughs> play video games. Uncharted is coming out. Yeah, there, there have been a couple of times where I've, I've been hard pressed to, uh, hard pressed to, to uh, pony up and deliver the goods. Yeah, but I'm, um, I'm, ex- I'm super excited for Batman. Not in that way, though. It, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> I am on. super excited for Batman. I can't wait. Tomorrow, twenty four hours from now, we will be in a post. Arkham Knight world, and I'm excited for it. I do want to say, though, if anybody on this website spoils Batman for anybody on this website, <laughs> I'm going to instantly ban you. That's and right. that, that includes making jokes about, or even talking about, like, I, I, I don't know, who the Arkham Knight is, or allu- uh, alluding, uh, alluding to the ending of the game in any way. <laughs> you will be banned from this website, and that includes you, Rowan. L- Lauren's uh, getting out the hammer. <laughs> What's that? I am getting out the hammer. Lauren's getting out the fucking hammer. Uh, no, I'm very excited. Uh, also very excited to talk about stuff this week, Brent. We are, we, we've got some great stuff in the garage. The first yes, we thing do. we have in the garage, Brent, yes, Kung Fury that? is not going to be talked about this week. But oh, we are gonna, come on. We how are going we, to. How can we do this? We are going to talk about it next week. If we talk about it this week, that's going to be the whole fucking show. That's right. So we will talk about it next week. But, but. This week, we're going to start with some stuff uh, from E3 that we wanted to expand on a little bit, and as well as some news, and we're going to talk about yes. uh, some news in the clubhouse as well. But first up, Brent, uh, we got about 14 or so minutes of gameplay that we hadn't seen previously uh, from the upcoming Rise of the Tomb Raider, the Siberian Wilderness gameplay. Kind of picks up where the E3 uh, demo le- leaves off, or the E3 trailer leaves off. Uh, Post-Avalanche, Laura digs herself out of the ice and snow. 
and tries to put together some sort of shelter, some sort of fire to survive. And then, obviously, we get a little bit deeper into what's going on within the story, and we see her dealing with some some ruffians, some some bad guys. They're they're, they're the bad guys. I I know that it's supposed to be like all relative, and there's no good guys and bad guys, and everybody's just got a point of view. These are the fucking bad guys because Laura is the good guy who we are playing as, and that makes them the bad guys, and therefore they deserve to get a poison arrow to the face, which happens a couple of times. Spoiler warning. Anyway, <laughs> it's an interesting demo. I, the thing, the thing about this for me is that I, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, depending on how you want to look at it, I really got into this TV show a while back called Dual Survival, and I watched like three seasons of it or something like that. And you know, every episode they're talking about some scenario to survive out in the wilderness if you don't have the the basic tools that you ought to have or whatever. And the whole time that I'm watching. Laura, she's like, oh, I've got to find shelter. And she walked. I'm like, that, that's the perfect shelter. Go, go back like 10 feet. You were right there. And, and then you know, she, <laughs> she finds that fire. And I'm like, where's your windbreak? What are you doing? Like, how are you going to survive that? This is ridiculous. And, and then she gets into the bear fight. And I'm like, there's no it's like a 2000 pound grizzly. You're not going to win a hand to hand fight with a bear. It's like the best you can hope for is to just give yourself a quick death and accept the fact that you are about to be eaten. And pooped out by a giant bear. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyway, but it, all, all that aside, it looked fucking good, dude. I was I was really excited. And it it's interesting that it, there is this whole kind of Siberian vibe, given the fact that Uncharted 2 was set there and that we were such big fans of that. It, it makes me kind of excited to just to just see, you know, how they're going to do their own take on that and do it differently and. I'm excited for the game. Yeah, I, I am too. There's there were a, well, one of the things I'm not excited about is, of course, the 15 year uh, Xbox exclusivity uh, on the game no. or whatever the hell it is. But no, I'm not. Um, uh, but uh, I, I thought it was a great trailer, Brett. It was interesting because I, honestly, I went uh, not trailer, but like gameplay uh, a gameplay video. No. I um I kind of went up and down with it as I was watching it. When I first started watching it, I was like, God, this feels just so much like the first one, and that's not inherently a bad thing. Yeah. But I didn't see any like it, the the first part of it was it was essentially all cutscene, and even the parts that weren't cutscene felt like a cutscene, and there was no action, and it was it was moving really slowly. And then we kind of got a peek at the the um. Oh, uh, wep- weapons customization system. I was going to say some of kind of RPG elements as well, but yeah. you get a peek at the weapons customization system. And you can see that they have uh, expanded on that system, and, and it seems like they're going to. Uh, my guess is expand on all the aspects of the RPG uh, right. type elements that were there before, or the you know light RPG or whatever. But um, I get the impression they're going to expand on all of those, which I think is really really uh, important. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me over and over, Brent, and we're going to talk about Uncharted in a little bit, uh, but one thing that really stood out to me when watching this video and bothered me is, is the consistency with which Lara was talking to herself about what she was doing. Okay. Um, and it felt like... It, it felt like you mean like where she's saying, you know, got to get firewood. Got to get firewood, you know, gotta, yeah. Got to find shelter. Got to walk, gotta walk 100 feet in front of me. Uh, now I'm here. Got to walk one more foot. Okay, right. now two more feet. You know, like, it just felt like she was constant. Like, essentially, they were, the developers were talking you through what you had to do. Um, and yeah. that was a little bit concerning to me, Do, do you think that that's because that this was a demo that, that, that uh, you were seeing? Uh, you know, do you think that that'll be representative of how it is throughout most of the... I mean, like, I imagine it being this way in, like, that kind of tutorial section at the beginning. Right, and so I don't think it was because it was a demo, but, but yeah. is my guess, because I don't think they would create 
dialogue like that just for the demo. I mean, they might, but uh, at this, especially at this point in the production, a little what, bit more hand holding, you know, might be appropriate there. I don't know what it what it could be is is, you, is as you said, it could, this could be a tutorial part of the game. It could be the beginning of the game. I have no idea, yeah. um, and it could be that. But it was that was that was a team bit off putting to me. Uh, the bear thing, you're right, was kind of kind of like. Really? So then she gets away from it, and you're like, wait, you're going back now? You're going after it? Like, with a bow and arrow. Right, yeah. So, it's like, okay. That's a really great idea if you've got about 15 other people with you. Right. And, and they all have bow and, <laughs> bow and arrow. They have, like, too. mechanical compound bows that, like, have <laughs> like a robot a, arm pulling them backwards. That'll and, all work and, out like, great. Avastar, Navi-style, like, I mean, yeah, size bo- the ties arrows. Yeah. I mean, you got to suspend your disbelief, but th- th- there was there was just something, I guess because they did a good job. I mean, that bear was fucking terrifying and ferocious. It, it was. It was. Although <laughs> so, I, immediately, I immediately did the, like, oh, it's the wolf. Like yeah. from the first one, but now that yeah. now it's a bear. Now it's so, a so I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I'm very interested in where the and series goes. It's an elephant. If I may, Brent, um, and, and I want to um, cut you off if you have more to say about Tomb Raider, but I kind of want to segue into our next video because the co- comparison and contrasting them I thought was really interesting. Uh, and that is the Uncharted 4 video we got from E3, which is about seven minutes of video. Yeah. Um, I've watched it a few times now. I did now, go and, back. And to be clear, this is the press conference demo. This, this Correct. is the gameplay section we saw that closed the Sony press conference. Correct. And I did, go, uh, I did go back right before the show, and I watched the Tomb Raider one immediately followed by the Uncharted one, which I thought was kind of an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly, well, there were a few things that stood out. Now, obviously, there are different sections of the game. Uh, obviously, you know, this conversation could be about the choices for what they showed. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that I immediately noticed after having watched Tomb Raider and kind of being a little, I don't know, off put by the, by the, by her constantly talking to herself was that obviously the scene they show, uh, at the show at the press conference was Sully and Drake. Yeah. Uh, was Drake and Sully, I should say. And so there's two people and there's this it back be and Sully forth. And Drake. Sully's a, I mean, <laughs> it's Sully's a Sully a bad show. Man. Maybe that maybe 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 what, this just because the guy's got a mustache, you're gonna may, you're gonna run him down? You know what? I wonder if this is gonna be the last uncharted and we're gonna get like a better call Saul with Sully in it kind Dude, of thing. Dude, I on. will take that game. <laughs> I will fucking play that game, believe me. It would be awesome. <laughs> uh, but the, the back and forth between the two of them uh, uh, was one thing that immediately stood out. Uh, with Uncharted, that was it was playful. It was interesting. They didn't have to talk through, and that was that was really incredible to me. But there's so much that that stood out to me, Brent, about this this demo. Some just some of the really intricate little nuances about like Nate turning the car, the way he was turning the wheel and downshifting yeah. as he was driving, um, the way the way he leapt into the vehicle when he. I don't know if you noticed when the video when there's a point at which he and Sully are cowering behind a um, a counter and he mm-hmm. goes around Sully and he actually goes around Sully. It's not that usual video game like weird clipping thing, but he moves yeah. around Sully a la the division closing the door kind of thing. Right. Um, it just it was so action packed. It was the just vision mattered. It was really it was really an incredible video, man. And and everybody, and I mean everybody in the press that got to see an additional ten minutes that started off where the press conference video ended as Nate uh, after Nate grapples onto the crane and crashes and, through and that, crashes uh, into the, the the stanchion of the of the bridge. Yeah, that's where the the uh, press conference demo ended. Everybody in the press that saw the next 10 minutes said it was the most incredible, heart-pounding, cinematic 
sequence they had ever seen in a video game as and if it, the like, previous seven minutes hadn't been there. that's exactly right and how they how they just like i can't believe they didn't show this it was like it's video game changing how incredible it was and there's yeah. articles about how they really tried to make the game cinematic without making without using cinematics right so play, so it just it was an incredible video and it was really interesting to watch the two juxtaposed against each other to see the difference in tone right. um action so i, I thought it was well, incredible certainly one thing and admittedly there there are there are definitely moments in tomb raider that are more high energy and you know the uncharted series you know they, they love their chase sequences and and they're pretty good at, at doing those chase sequences and uh the the thing that we saw from tomb raider was a little uh, we, we got a little bit broader spectrum of gameplay uh, in the sense that you know we had some survival stuff, we saw a little bit of the light RPG stuff, we saw some stealth, just a, a little bit of combat, but mostly just sort of stealth takedowns. Um, but it, it is really interesting to kind of see that while certainly there are influences, parallels between Uncharted and Tomb Raider, Tomb sure. Raider is definitely trying to do its own thing. And, and I appreciate that. I, I, I enjoyed the light RPG aspects of the first game. They were a little bit of a letdown because I didn't feel like they went as deep as I, I would have liked them to go. But I'm encouraged by what we're seeing there. But on the other hand, like what Uncharted did was Uncharted said, you're going to have more fun with this video game than you can even imagine. Like no amount of fun you've had with an Uncharted game before this can prepare you for the amount of epic badass fun that you're going to have here. That was what I walked away with from uncharted. And, uh, and, and, you know, part of that is just knowing how good those games are and hoping that this game is, is going to be it. But, uh, I don't know what else I can say about it other than I just almost want to put it out of my mind until next March. I, I don't know what else to do because they pushed it. No, please, please tell me you're November, me. 2016. I shouldn't even joke about that. Don't really. do that to I shouldn't. Me. I, I shouldn't. You. That's not I'll fair. To Boston, and I'll stab you with this. Well, 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 Brent is recovering. Uh, okay. uh, you know, Brent alluded to the cultural and video game relevance of the division, which is to say, none. Uh, and this is an interesting story. I just saw this today. I also, after I saw this, Brent went and watched. Um, uh, GT uh, did some videos, a series of videos called Just Played, which I thought is sort of a poor choice of nomenclature considering half of the ones the games are talking about they didn't actually play. Yeah. But, uh, and they talk about games talking that they about got the to, new game trailers, right? Yeah, the new game trailers. They yeah, did, they're, they did, they're fucking dead to me too. Anyway. Uh, they did some videos and one of, one of the ones they did was, uh, I think it was that. Oh no, actually it wasn't. It's, it's actually, the video is in this GameSpot article that we're linking to. Okay. Uh, at the bottom of it, they talk about uh, about their experience playing the division, it was it was uh, interesting. Let's just say, but this article is about the fact that Ubisoft quietly, as quietly as I'm sure they could possibly muster, <laughs> uh, has canceled the once very highly touted, uh, highly touted as a central piece of the game. Yes, it was, uh, it was a major component. The companion app. Uh, to the division, if you remember the, the asymmetric uh, gameplay companion app that we saw in a lot of the early demos, where they talked about how you could pull on, up your tablet and actually take part, and they showed you controlling the uh, the gyrocopter, not the gyrocopter, but the uh, drone, the drone yeah, within okay. the game, and it was it was compelling as all hell and incredibly awesome. And they they called it something along the lines of in the article they talk about how what a meaningful part of the game it was. Yes, uh, and it has now been excised 
from the game. Apparently, they're because citing it that imbalanced it too much, right? Yes, that's what they said. Which, which I, I, I got to be honest, yeah, I'm a little hard pressed to believe because my guess is they couldn't pull it off technologically. But I don't know. I, I don't agree. know. Game game balance. Well, it's it's like easy. It's like okay. Well, then all you have to do is uh, some take away some subtra- of what they can do. Right. Addition or subtraction somewhere to rebalance gameplay. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I, I think that this was more. I think I think that this was more of what the division basically always was, which is vaporware. I'm pretty much convinced that the original game that we were sold never existed, and that they have been. They did like a fucking kill zone three target render trailer and said, yeah, you know, we'll just we'll fucking we'll, we'll shoot for all this stuff. And because we say it and we're fucking sociopaths, it'll become true the minute it leaves our mouths. And uh, and then we'll just make it happen through sheer force of will. And now here we are two years later. And it's like, <gasps> well, guess what? I, I, I am. This game is fucking dead to me. I, I'm so I'm 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 just uh I'm not going to make disparaging remarks about Ubisoft beyond to say that fuck them and, and, uh, <laughs> but nothing else disparaging. But other than that, the I'm, guys in the video on the GameSpot article, uh, GameSpot article, Brent, and I encourage you guys to, to watch the video. Scroll down when you're you know watch that video down there. They talk about um they're talking so they talk about uh, their experience playing it and how you know it was fun because there were teams, but. But essentially, it was this sort of weird RPG, unlike what they were expecting. And they talk about that cool map that we all saw in the first demo that yeah. comes up at your feet. And they were like, yeah, we pulled that up, and we were so excited. And it was really cool looking, and it was completely non-functional. Like, you could not see where you were anywhere in the map, and it was totally useless. Uh, and then we're running at this guy, and we're fighting with this guy, and we go to do melee. We go to... F- melee him and we can't so we turn to the you know the pr guy that's helping us behind us and he's like yeah we don't have melee combat in the game yet uh and they were like what this is like a playable build and it was just the whole way they said it was weird you should check it out it's it, yeah. it, it's interesting and i agree with you brent I, at this point I, it's it, it's after my watchdogs experience right um yeah, I don't. I don't even know what to say. I'm just not going the, down that road again. You know, I'm yeah. just not. I mean, the game comes out and everybody says it's the greatest thing ever. Then I'll check it out. But short right. of that, I, I mean, there's just too many other things that are going to be good that I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll invest my time and my emotional <laughs> expenditures into that. You know, Batman. We're here in the clubhouse, and we will start off this week with the poll results from last week, which, despite the fact that it was it was only online a very brief time, comparatively speaking, because it didn't go up until like Wednesday or Thursday, really, really got a big response. Everybody, everybody wanted to let their voice be heard on this one. So that being the case, I'm going to give the dubious task of... Of reading off the results from the poll that's got like 12 possible answers to Lauren. Lauren, have fun. Uh, All right. I'm going to condense these a little bit. But in the club poll, Brent, you asked people which press event had you the most excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am dismayed, nay, disappointed in you, all of you, that you would put the Oculus Rift in the same category (laughs) as Ubisoft and and Nintendo. Nintendo. But, but... Just pouring salt in the wound. But you did. So with 1% of the vote each, Oculus Rift, Nintendo, and Ubisoft tie for the, the losers. Place. 
for OGS. Coming yeah. in uh, <laughs> not too distant. Tied for seventh or whatever. Loser. Yeah, the next few I'll, I'll group together as well. EA got 3% of the vote. Squeenix got 4% of the vote. PC Gaming Show got 4% of the vote. And Microsoft got 6% of the vote. And so they are kind of not too far behind the Oculus Rift, Nintendo, and Ubisoft. Making up the top two. Coming in in second place with 28% of the vote, Bethesda. Hey. And an overwhelming winner, Brent, with 52% of the vote, Sony, according to the Outlaw Gamers, took E3 2015. Well, it's hard to argue. There was was so much exciting stuff there. Obviously... Obviously, my vote went with, went with Bethesda, but hey, man, Sony was bringing it. There's no doubt about that. That's a true story. All right, Brent, what's, uh, what's on the docket for the clubhouse this week? Well, you know, what we're going to do this week is we're going to talk about E3. because <laughs> Go figure. You know, it was interesting to see how it's many E3. people online were talking about how this was the best E3 in a long time. And, and I agree that there was certainly a lot of exciting stuff going on at this E3. And obviously, we only talked last week about the press conferences, but there was a lot of thing outside the press conferences that we thought we would be remiss if we uh, didn't talk about. So those are the things that we're going to go into today. Just some things here and there that uh, you might have not seen if you'd only watch the press conferences. So we're linking to an article from Polygon, a mini-map article that uh, has just a bunch of links in there for news stories and such that kind of fall outside the spectrum of press conference coverage. And we're going to be pulling several things from there to talk about. And then in addition to that, we've got a second article link we'll throw in about uh, the Microsoft HoloLens Minecraft demo. But we'll talk about that in just a second. First up, I think one of the things we both talked about being excited by and, and thought was a really good move for Microsoft was the backwards compatibility of the Xbox One that uh, was announced during the Microsoft presser. Shuhei Yoshida was interviewed during E3, asked about what he thought about it and whether or not it would maybe change Sony's approach or their their view on backwards compatibility for the PlayStation 4. The short answer is no. The long answer is hell no. Shuhei is not budging. He, he, he demonstrated skepticism, I would say. Skeptical he was of... The Xbox One backwards compatibility said that basically the only way they can do this is through emulation. That's really hard. And that he wants to see the games that they're, they're doing for it and how it's going to work. And said that if it was easy, Sony would have done it now. But they haven't because it's not easy to do well. And he, I mean, he kind of left the door open in the sense that this could change at some point down the road. But we don't see it changing. At any point down the road, so do you believe him, Brent? Do you think that there? Do you, uh, so first of all, I'm not sure what a great what a great PR tactic it is to say. <laughs> you know, it's really hard, and I know the other company figured it out, mm. but I, I think it, it's really hard. Well, I'm he's not sure right in it, that it's emulation. I mean, it's, yeah, I just I, I don't know that that's the right way to say it. But so I'm curious if, if you be, if you believe that the problem is that it's too hard, or the problem is that they couldn't sell nearly as many HD remakes, right? If they actually had backwards compatibility, I, I I think that there's definitely a quality of that to it. I mean, you know why? Why invest your time in making it uh, making people able to play games they already own when you can sell them new games? I mean, you know, from a from a, from, a, from a standpoint of moving things off the shelf, that that second strategy is definitely the way to go. Yeah, it'll be. I'll be really curious to see how well Microsoft does with this. Yeah, and how much and how much what an impact it has on console sales this generation. Well, I, I agree with you, and and the the thing that I was thinking about it, and I agree, I, I like that Microsoft is doing it. And and as I said last week, I thought one of the one of the best lines of the show is that that thing where Spencer said, 
we're not going to charge you to play the games you already own. That was a great, great moment for, for him in that press conference. Is it too late for it to matter, though? Backwards compatibility typically is the thing that you want to you want to play up when your system launches that that year year and a half window. But right, look at all really the games you can keep playing right until the library is built. Exactly right. And so now that we're two years in, does anybody care about backwards compatibility anymore? Well, right. That's so what I said. Like I've sold those games, but yeah, maybe it's too little, too late. Maybe it doesn't matter. But if it did matter, if backwards compatibility was a big thing, you know the game that would really, really be important for backwards compatibility. I know what my answer was because I fucking said so last week. But it turns out I am only one in the chorus of voices calling for Red Dead Redemption to get backwards compatibility on Xbox One, and apparently there was some sort of vote i don't know if it was official or unofficial i'm not even sure if i understand the difference between an unofficial and an official vote if i can admit <laughs> that to, to to the few of us gathered here at the clubhouse table but nor, anyway the, nor point the is, constituents of our great nation i don't that's think right. go ahead. <laughs> what's the difference between fact and my political view ah anyway red dead redemption leads the vote for backwards compatibility on xbox one to the surprise of no one in this podcast audience lauren what do you think uh, it was actually Microsoft that opened up the voting. And, so that's, uh, that's great, though. That, I mean, that's great that, you know, that their fans are saying that. And not yeah, just people and this in general. Is, I mean, whatever. This is a no-brainer. If, mm. if, I, if, they, if, if Rockstar doesn't remake this game on every platform known to man from now until the end of eternity, I, I don't know why. I don't either. I mean, I guess I guess we can always say, gee, thanks, Rockstar, for not selling us the one game that we actually will buy again happily. Over and over on every platform. Until the end of time. Until I die. I mean, think about it. 60 bucks every six, seven, eight years. Worth it. Totally. 100% worth it, worth it every single time. Winning. That is the definition. Like, go. Uh, here, I'm going to do it right now. Here's my dictionary. You can see it. Here's my dictionary. Winning. Yeah. Well, you, owning, you guys can't see it. Owning Red Dead Redemption on every video game console to ever From be now, released until by your humanity. <laughs> there it is. Did you just edit the Wikipedia page? I ought to. <laughs> uh, all right, Brent. So a couple, few more stories we have to talk about. Uh, yeah. Dice had a third mystery game that does, has not been shown at E3. Does anybody want to take off their pants and speculate about Bad Company Three? I do. I do, I do over here. Hands up. I mean, and they had. And they had. I mean, they had uh, Battlefront, which won many games of the show. Yeah. Although I've been watching those those trailers lately, Brent. I'm not really happy with the UI in that game. Uh, the HUD. I I don't care. The floating Akbar head. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't think I like that. I I I don't. I don't care. I'll take it. Uh, so take uh, it. so they had they had Star Wars Battlefront. They had uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, of course, which looks awesome. We're going to talk about that in yeah. a little bit. But apparently, they have a third game. Some people are speculating it's Battlefield Bad Company Three. Maybe we don't know. Right. Um, that's pretty exciting news. I mean, Dice is a very well respected developer with one hell of an engine in their pocket. The, the 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 frostbite engine they're getting some fucking distance out of that investment of technology and manpower it's it's definitely paying dividends i mean fucking star wars look great in it i'm sure i mean everything they do looks great in it it's all just about you know delivering in the case of battlefield it's about delivering uh you know their online infrastructure getting getting that where they can support all the people that want to play their fucking games but uh, i imagine that's not a mistake they're likely to make again uh, Bad Company Three. I mean, this has got to be like on the top five list behind Half Life Three of uh, of video game sequels that people will murder another living person in order to have. 
And so the only question you need to ask yourself is, if somebody points to you and says, if you kill this person, we can have Bad Company 3, would you fight it? Or, or would you die so that the world could have Bad Company 3? I and mean, that's the only question. That's the only question on my mind. I, I really, I really, I think you're right, Brent. That really is the only question. Um, speaking about dice, mm-hmm. uh, I just alluded to it. This is probably one of, literally, one of my favorite announcements or pieces of news uh, in all of E3, and that is Mirror's Edge Catalyst dropping gun combat, combat entirely. Yes. I, I thought it was a horrible part of the original Mirror's Edge. I, I don't know why they would want to, to uh, have gunplay in the game when the game is so much about these other mechanics. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier to find out that they're just dropping gun combat entirely. I, I agree with you. My, my thought was, fine, not, not going to deter me at all, not going to take away from anything about what that game is about because it, it like the first time around it felt frankly it felt clunky and just it just i don't know kind of like broke like the flow or whatever but yeah i, I agree with you 100 percent. there there's nothing about that announcement that i have to lament what about this one brent i'm curious about your take on this we talked about it just briefly last week when we were talking about uh, the shenmue 3 uh, announcement of Kickstarter. They yeah. they announced a Kickstarter pro- program or a Kickstarter campaign asking for two million dollars. I think I, I didn't look at the page today, but I think it's somewhere up around three and a half million at this point. Yeah. Um. But uh, it has come to light. It was this was not disclosed on the Kickstarter page uh, that Sony will be contributing to the development of Shenmue Three. And if you read the article that is linked in the article that we have linked, um, wait. <laughs> my my mind can't keep up. <laughs> if you read if you read about the Shenmue uh, three and Sony contributing to development, you'll find that. Uh, and I thought this was interesting, Brent. That they essentially said they they say not essentially they say we did this Kickstarter campaign to see if people were interested. If enough people donated up to two million dollars, then we figure there's enough interest and we'll make this game. Yeah. I'm curious, Brent, how you feel about, A, the fact that Sony is contributing and that was not disclosed in the Kickstarter campaign, and B, using Kickstarter as a way to gauge um, you know, fan interest. My only beef is the lack of transparency about Sony's involvement. That's it. Uh, everything else about it, I'm fine with. As long as people have all the facts and they can make an informed decision with whatever they're going to back on Kickstarter, I got no beef. But... That that's that's the the one sticking point. I read another article that, and I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the one that, that's linked in there or or maybe they've updated it. But I saw another headline today that in order for Shinmu to be the open like the giant open world game that it needs to be ten million dollars is you know what they're talking. Uh, so f- from the standpoint of getting a Shinmu three that actually delivers what it needs to, to to you know to live up to the, the 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 level of quality and the expectation set by the first two games it's going to have to get to 10 million dollars very unlikely that's going to happen in the kickstarter campaign so if sony is pitching in the, the you know whatever whatever they don't get in kickstarter to reach that 10 million dollar goal in order to make shinmu 3 the game it deserves to be Hard for me to argue with that, uh, just because I and many other people would really, really fucking like to see Shinmu 3. Uh, but yes, I, I think that not disclosing Sony's involvement, that definitely is, is wrong. That should, have, that should have taken place. That should have been evident to everybody who invested money in that Kickstarter. Yeah, And, and if people want to back out at this point now that they know that, they should. Can, can you, is, it, is that something that's 
Oh yeah, you can rescind. Yeah, you can rescind your your back before before I mean, the funding before before the funding closes and and they charge you know your credit card or whatever. Yeah, you can you can cancel. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I, I agree that not being transparent about it is not is not uh, is not in the best interest of the gamers, the game, or uh, Kickstarter in general. No, I totally um, totally agree. All right, Brent. Let's talk a little bit about this Hololens story uh, that yeah. has been uh, coming out. You know, it's funny. There, there, there was a lot. There was an incredible reaction to the Hololens demonstration uh, at E3 with the Minecraft demo on sure. the wall and on the table, and, and, and I looked great. It did look great. I was a little surprised by uh, the vehemence with which, which, which the reaction was so strong. Just given that the demos they showed us before, in my opinion, were the ones with Mars and like where you're fixing the, you know, helping the, somebody fix the pipe or whatever. Yeah. Those were pretty fucking compelling in my opinion right and so i'm not sure how this was more compelling than that but people were going nuts for this demonstration um what has uh, begun to come out subsequent to the to the that demonstration is a slew of articles talking about how essentially what you're seeing in the demo from microsoft press conference is not representative of what you see when you put the uh lenses on and unlike i think uh, maybe some other headset hardware companies. Microsoft has has been uh, has not been forthcoming about that fact. Uh, and there's a great picture I think in this article where they show you. So 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 the big issue essentially to boil it down is the field of view in the Hololens. Yeah. Uh, and that when you look at it through the camera and what they show you, it looks as if everything is just in your room and you see your room exactly as you see your room now and you see these floating holograms exactly as you see them through the camera yeah when in reality there's if you look at this image that's embedded in this article you're seeing maybe i don't know 30 to 40 percent of um of of sort of how they portray it yep does that seem about right brent basically just imagine like wherever you're, you're sitting right now and now cup your your hands over your face so that you can only see what is directly in front of you through like a little box. That is what the HoloLens experience is like at the show floor at E3, or was like. Sort of. I mean, it's so sort of in the sense that like that's a pretty accurate way to describe VR in terms of the cupping your hands and you lose everything else. Yeah. I think with the HoloLens, you still see the rest of the room, but the holograms themselves are only visible for that that space that Brent right. just described. But in a way, that might actually be a more disorienting experience. It might, it might very well might be. But, uh, but anyway, the, the, point, the point that people are making is that what we saw in the Minecraft demo uh, at the E3 press conference is not indicative of where the hardware is at right now. And, you know, everybody was rushing to point out that the hardware will get better. And, and so, you know, they're kind of giving Microsoft the benefit of the doubt on that point. And I, I guess that's fine. I mean... That that's all well and good, but it um, again, kind of like the transparency thing we were talking about last story. I think that if Microsoft was just saying, "Okay, here's where the field of vision is right now," because I mean, like with the VR development, those kinds of talking points. I mean, like that, that's all that's going back and forth. You know, what's your refresh rate? Uh, your refresh rate. What's your resolution? What's the field of view? Uh, you know, those those numbers are getting thrown around all over the place in the VR discussion. And, you know, for Microsoft to kind of hold that back, I mean, while it may be advantageous to them, maybe they don't want to say it because they feel it wouldn't do them any favors, which it probably wouldn't. Um, you know, if, you, if you're not forthcoming with that, then it seems like you're hiding something. And like, oh, oh, well, this is, this is just where the demo is now. It's going to be much better by the time this gets released. It's like, well, you better hope so. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess that I'm not 
reading much into it beyond the fact that it was just you know maybe maybe a little bit uh, dishonest as far as their press conference goes. But where the actual technology is going to be when it finally comes out, yeah, it will be it will be different, and I'm sure it'll be better. So, uh, you know, w- whether or not you should get excited for Hololens, ah, eh, you know, get excited for it. Wait till it comes out before you actually get excited enough to buy one. I suppose. Yeah, that's that's about how I feel about it, Brent. I you know uh, cannot think of anything funny to say whatsoever. Why don't we just say that uh, the Hololens will be exactly what Microsoft's promising? That's pretty funny, right? <laughs> That doesn't sound cynical, does it? Oh, wait. And we're back. We're going to hit the road, put the throttle down, and talk about some of the games we're playing this week. I'm very eager to hear about this first game from Lauren, because I've not picked this up yet, but uh, I have had it recommended to me several times. So tell me a little bit about Hitman Sniper. Don't be so eager, my friend. Oh, no. But not because the game is bad. Okay. But because I made the fatal mistake once again of thinking that I would want a goddamn mobile game. <laughs> I keep doing this. <laughs> I spent so I was here I am. I'm in Brazil, right? I got no game system. There's some Albert but, Einstein quote floating around about insanity that seems applicable here, but I don't Yes, know. doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. Hitman Go was such a pleasurable experience. I thought if ever I'm going to want a mobile game, it's going to be while I'm on a 2-week trip. With no, I had just left The Witcher, which broke my tiny heart. Yeah, I had nothing to game on while I was there because I was selling my PlayStation. I had no computer. I had a Chromebook, which essentially is not you know I can't play games on. So I thought if ever there's a scenario by which I'm going to want to play a mobile game, and I got all the time like sitting around the house packing shit like that. And so I bought Hitman Sniper and I played it for all of about 20 minutes. And that's it. Uh, and that's it, man. And. and uh, I just, it's just mobile gaming is not for me. The same thing happened with Republic, which is a fantastic game. I need to play it on the PC. Um, I just am not compelled to play games on uh, the mobile platform. So what I did play uh, was interesting. You know, a couple of the things that bothered me about Hitman Sniper, uh, and I'd be curious for you to play it because you'll get further into it. Two things that bothered me, though. One of them is that, as far as I can tell, and I didn't really, really, really try and test this, but as far as I can tell, you have to be online to play the game. Mm, Okay. Um, Because I tried to play it offline, and I could not load the game. And every time you boot up the game, it says downloading, and I don't don't know what, what it's downloading. But I couldn't play the game offline. Now, I don't know if it's there's down, an option. It's downloading the files, Lauren. Uh, the files. It's getting, it's getting uh, the files. Come on. The, the, the files. The files. The, the hits. The files. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's a setting, possibly in the settings, to play offline mode or something like that. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't go look for it. But it was kind of annoying that it defaulted to me not being able to play this game offline. It was four ninety nine, by the way, for this game. Yeah, I'm aware um, of that. Uh, and then the other piece was uh, the, like... You know, there's weapons customization and all that, and there, there are weapons that are available, like, as far as I can tell, only if, but again, I didn't play the game far enough through to know this, um, that you, the weapons that you unlock by connecting your Facebook and shit like that, uh, and, and that bothers me. Um, it, it doesn't bother me in a free-to-play game. It bothers me in a game I, play, I paid money for, um, and ostensibly what's essentially a full-price title on, you know, it wasn't a 99-cent game. Five bucks is a, kind of a full-price title on on a mobile platform. So that kind of annoyed me about the game too. The gameplay itself seemed fun. Um, I, I think there was only one environment too. I remember reading people saying they wish there were more environments. Like the whole thing takes place in this one environment where you're looking down onto a, um, you know, a mansion essentially like kind of a modern mansion. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know that there were more environments than that based on what I've read. But ultimately, Brent, uh, I can't tell you much about the game because I just gave Ubisoft $5 for just, just basically to spend this five minutes talking to you. Well... It was uh, definitely money well spent then, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. I'll go watch some Let's Plays on YouTube, I guess, to figure out if I actually want to drop coin on it. I I don't know. I, I loved Hitman Go so much, and I'm... It's a totally different game. I mean, it's I, totally... I know, and that, that's the thing. is like When I heard that they were doing, going in a completely different direction for the follow-up, I was... I couldn't decide if that was a good idea and I and I was excited about what the new thing would be or if I was going to be disappointed that it wasn't more of Hitman Go and now I'm feeling more like I'm disappointed it wasn't more Hitman Go because I loved Hitman Go. I agree and I, I wish it was too and it, it, it was nothing like that. I mean sensibility wise and yeah. it didn't have like the you know that instantly brilliant gameplay and yeah. Uh, so yeah so anyway so that's that. All right. What about The Witcher 3? You've been playing The Witcher uh, 3? Ah, Witcher, you sweet, sweet mistress, you. So I got back uh, after two weeks away from my dear sweet Witcher. Um, I couldn't play it like the first couple days never, that I was never here. Never mind the several months away from your dear sweet wife. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, was yeah, that, yeah, too. that but, too, that too. Uh, so um, I got back. I couldn't play it for the first couple days. I was really bummed I couldn't do that. But finally, I got back into it only to find, to my extreme frustration, Brent, that the game was running worse than ever. What? Something, yes. that, something they did in a, in a in a recent update. Well, I don't I I don't know a hundred percent for sure yet. I, I am uh, I, I did troubleshooting. I reinstalled drivers manually. A bunch of uh, outlaws gave me some suggestions, and I'm very very grateful for it. I fired up MSI Afterburner to see what was going on, yeah. and ultimate and finally I found that I that uh, I think the problem was that my RAM was maxed actually. I mean, I've got 12 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. Uh, it, MSI Afterburner only shows nine. I'm assuming that's because three gigs or so, two and a half gigs is used for system uh, stuff. Okay. So, so uh, and I was maxing my RAM out, and I went and looked at my system processes and noticed that I had a bunch of things like my Plex Media Server, my Dropbox, yeah. uh, uh, my Dropbox server, all that stuff that were actually using uh, like two and a half gigs of my RAM on an ongoing basis. Okay. And so I disabled all those things. Sure. Uh, I closed them out. Chrome uses a shit ton of RAM. Yeah. If you don't close it down fully. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Um, and I, I, I just always leave like Chrome running in the background. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, I know so you I closed all that shit down and the game ran great. So I played it for a while. I had a great game session, ran great. Came back the next day and I played like, I shit you not, at least three solid hours of Gwent. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just could not. I literally just spent an entire night playing Gwent, going from one Gwent uh, game to another, trying to amass enough cards. And I still, Brent, I still, I have probably put in, I don't know, maybe seven, eight straight hours of Gwent, and I still can only play with the Northern Realms deck, um, which is just unbelievable to me. But. Uh, I've I've gotten up to I think I've gotten up gotten up to nineteen or twenty of twenty two cards needed for the Nilfgaardian Empire, so I'm almost able to play a second deck. Jesus, but uh, I, I just fucking I love Gwent is such a great game, Brent. It I mean, is. it's so much like a combination of luck of the draw and how you play things out and your skill, and I I just I love it. I absolutely love it. So. That was my last play session. Was just three to four hours of Gwent. Somebody, uh, somebody told me that uh, that uh, the 
I guess like the X Bone Collector's Edition is going to come with a physical Gwent game. I'm I'm actually Googling for this right now because I, I I'd forgotten about it until we started talking about it just now. Huh. But uh, yeah, let's see. Collector's Edition, Witcher, Wild Hunt. Yep, there's a fucking Gwent deck. Okay, so they're doing one, uh, and I imagine it won't stay exclusive to that Collector's Edition. That is a mobile game, Brent, that I would buy the shit out of. Yeah, I, that, that's what I was thinking. Is like If they release that thing on iPad or something like that, I might not. It's perfect. It's, it doesn't use a ton of battery. As much as it doesn't use a ton of battery, I'm sure, because it's not like super graphic intensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could play it in small bursts, you know, five, ten minutes at a time, or you could sit there for two hours and play Gwent. And the idea that you could like play Gwent online and potentially take other people's cards... Or something like that, or be rewarded with their card. It's just, it's, and I never in a million years, Brent, would ever, like, I'm never interested in this kind of shit within a game. I'm just this, like, it's not my thing. It's so much fun. So, anyway, that's where I am with The Witcher. I've got, I I have to be honest, I'm so jazzed for Batman right now that I think The Witcher is going to be put on hold while I play through Batman. But I, I mean, I see playing The Witcher for months to come. Uh, and hopefully Batman, honestly. I mean, I'm hoping Batman also, because of the open world nature, ends up to be something I can play. Yeah. Like, I kind of, I literally was sitting here the other day and I was like, I bet I could take these two games, theoretically, and just play these two games for the rest of the year. I, I mean, definitely there's enough content in The Witcher that you probably can. I yeah, don't know about so Batman or not, but... You've been playing film. The Witcher more, haven't you? I've, de- I've played more, yeah. I finally, I finally kind of got back to it after some time away and uh, managed, to, managed to claw my way out of the, uh, the, the valley that I was in. I really... Uh, the thing is, like, I didn't play as much Gwent as you, but man, like, I was just... I kept telling myself, like, don't do side quests, don't do side quests, and then I run into somebody and I would talk to them and I'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder how that's going to end. And then i go do a fucking side quest. But anyway, I'm kind of back on I'm kind of back on the path now. I finally killed the griffin that I was supposed to kill. <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah, I I have uh I finally gotten back to the Witcher. Unfortunately, just as I was getting back to the Witcher, Bethesda released Fallout Shelter on the iPad. Yes. Ask, yes, I've ask, heard ask of it. Ask me how much Fallout Shelter I've played, Lauren. Uh I'm going to guess, let me guess, 5 hours. I've played probably close to 30 hours. What shelter? I have had that game open on my iPad, sitting on my lap almost every waking moment since I since the game dropped. I am not even fucking kidding you. I am playing that game nonstop throughout the day. Like like seriously, like my wife and I are trying to we're trying to watch Hannibal. Right, we're going through the first season of Hannibal. And like I'll hear like the little ping indicating that uh, oh you know a baby is about to be born in your fallout shelter or something like that and I'll tell us like pause it for a second will you <laughs> open up the iPad like I'll sit there I'll collect resources I'll assign some people to rooms I'll see how my the, the the character I've got out exploring I'll see how they're doing is it time to recall them do they still have enough stim packs and stuff to to keep going for a while yet it's like okay okay close it down like all right go ahead and play it again and then like basic and then it got to the point where like every yeah I mean we're watching it on Amazon Prime so no commercials but you can tell like where the commercial breaks would normally come where, where when it was broadcast and it gets to those commercial breaks i'm like just pause it for a sec will you open up the ipad check fall shelter again it's like i can't stop playing it it's so good it's just like the the gameplay mechanics are very simple and yet it is everything that you need to to really create something compelling and fun. If you're into that kind of game, if you're into like that base building, people resource management kind of thing, uh, you, you know, like like SimCity and and some of the other games that they've talked about. Similar to this war of mine. 
Uh, similar, it, but it doesn't have the outings. Like, you know, in this war of mine, like, you know, you would have to go out and like raid other structures and stuff like that. It doesn't have that component. So if you just imagine the part of this war of mine where you're back at your hideout and you're, uh, you're, you're, you know, doing things there, you're like, you know, creating, creating items and stuff like that. And obviously I don't think in this war of mine, you couldn't really build rooms, you know, and that's a big part of this. It, it, it's more synonymous, I would say, with like XCOM, like the XCOM, like the the part of the the base part of it. Yes, like the base building part of XCOM. It's it's probably more synonymous with something like that because you're drilling down, constructing new three new things, and you have to balance your resources. You know, if you're going to build rooms, that needs electricity. If you're going to add more people, they need food and water, and you do want to add more people, and all of this costs currency, and you know, so you you got to you got to balance all those things. But I, I just I can't. I cannot tell you like how dialed into just my sensibilities this game is. And it's one of the, like what Todd Howard said was right. This is a game that is perfect for mobile devices and couldn't be better on another device. I mean, it is very, very well suited for, for tablet. I haven't played it on smartphone. I'm playing it on iPad, as I said, but as far as games I've played on my iPad, it's it's absolutely one of the best experiences I've ever had. And you really can see you really see the difference in pedigree and the thought and detail behind this game coming from a company like Bethesda. You you really do see the talent. It, it it's obvious how finely tuned uh this game is in terms of its mechanics and balancing and so forth. It's phenomenal. The the second the second this comes out on Android, get it. Yeah, I was wondering. I was actually just trying to see if we had any information on when it's coming out for Android. I'm curious, Brent, to know if uh, the game is free. It is. Uh, and, but there are, you can spend money in the game, mm-hmm. but they say you don't need to at all. No. I'm curious to know if you've been, if you felt like in playing the game uh, like you should have or need to or want to. No, what you, what you buy with your money is you buy lunch boxes. And lunch boxes, uh, you get them in the game. There's five cards in the lunch box. And each of the cards will give you something. It could be like a hundred caps, you know, which is like currency. It could be five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could get a weapon. You could get an outfit for one of your dwellers. Uh, things like that. And then typically, there's at least a rare or higher grade card in the pack, and that might be like a really good weapon, or it could be like a dweller. It could be like a dweller that's got really, really great maxed out stats in a, in a couple of their their categories. And you earn lunch boxes. You you have like these sort of bonuses that are always ongoing. There's always three objectives that that are active at any time in the game, and the objectives could be something like extinguish six fires that break out in your base, equip twelve of your dwellers with weapons, sell seven outfits or weapons, things like just things like that, just things that you're going to do in the course of gameplay, right? And some of those will reward you with currency, and some of those objectives will reward you with a lunchbox. Right. So as you play the game and, and do those things, you'll earn lunchboxes through the game. What you can do with money is you can buy lunchboxes. You can buy, I think, like maybe one or two lunchboxes, five. Like, I know the highest amount of money you can spend is 40, uh, but I can't remember. Like, like Maybe you get... I don't know. Maybe you get like 20 lunch boxes for that or something. I don't know like how many you get for $40. 
Well, just to fill in a little backstory here, I saw an article on, on uh, um, I think it was, it was CNET, that said, for two days, Fallout Shelter earned more than Candy Crush. <laughs> and yes, to give you a little perspective... Fuck because fuck them, that's why! According to Think Gaming, estimates put Candy Crush Saga revenues at around $950,000 daily. Okay. So, and so Bethesda's already made at least a couple million dollars. I, I wish that were sus- Fallout I, I wish that were sustainable. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if they'll be able to keep that up. But that does make me very happy. No, but that's just in those two days. Yeah. I mean, even if they made a hundred thousand the other days, and that's only on the iOS platform, right? Uh, that, that's very true. I mean, once they opened up that up to Android, you know, they got they got a, a you know an even bigger audience to sell to. Uh, personally, I've not felt the need to do it. Um, I, I, the only the only way I would even do it at this point was just I want to support the game like I want to spend money on this so that they just know to give them money I love your game and, and I, I want you to keep supporting it and maybe you know do a sequel at some point or that kind of thing that's the only reason I would spend money there's no gameplay reason to spend that money in my opinion but I'm I'm that's awesome I'm dude. patient you know I, some people this, this sound that sounds like a game. Listen to me. I'm all right. Just talked about. I want this mobile game so bad. <laughs> I can't keep buying yeah. these fucking mobile games, yeah. and I'm now I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a mobile game I could get. Well, behind. That, that's the whole thing, though. It's free. You know, that's that. That's the whole point. Oh yeah, that's true. You're that right. It's You're not right. going to cost you a dime to find out whether or not you like it. That's a damn true story. All right, Brent. Let's head off into the sunset. Okay. Uh, and talk about a couple last things as we head off for this week. I wanted to talk about, Brent, uh, this week. I wanted to bring up, and, and I posted it here, uh, the Unravel trailer, the official oh, announcement right. of gameplay you trailer. A, you got a chance to check that out. I did. We talked about it last week. I said I hadn't gotten to see the, the trailer, and we kind of you know brushed over it or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I, did, I did watch it, uh, and I've watched a couple pieces on Unravel, and uh, I just think this game looks absolutely awesome, man. I think it's so interesting and creative-looking. Um, it's it's right in my wheelhouse, and I think what they're doing with the 2D side-scrolling platformer is it's gorgeous. The aesthetic is awesome. The art direction is fantastic. I really, really, really uh, was blown away when I saw this. I, I don't know why. I wasn't. I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting much, and I was absolutely blown away. And I couldn't be more hyped for this game. And I just wanted to call it out separately uh, that you know more than the little little attention we gave it in our E3 show, because I think this is a little gem that really deserves some attention. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. I, I pretty much assumed that uh, you, would, you would appreciate this game, that it, it definitely looks like it's doing some cool stuff. So that's, yeah, that's it great. Does. All right, what do you have uh, for Into the Sunset this week, Brent? Uh, basically, my Into the Sunset, I, well, I, I want to mention very briefly that I just saw an article before we started recording that somebody created a co-op multiplayer mod for Skyrim, <laughs> which I think is fucking awesome, and uh, I have no idea uh, I have no idea how well it works. I get the impression that it's very rough around the edges right now, but uh, that's just cool. But the, the main thing I want to talk about is Transformers Devastation leading up to E3. There was was uh, a screenshot, a couple screenshots uh, of this game, this Transformers game that's back to the OG, this G1 looking game, and uh, and, and the rumors that it was going to be called Transformers Devastation. There was like box art and stuff floating around, but uh, anyway, the, the game is real. It's happening. It's uh, th- there's a gameplay demo I'm linking to from IGN Live that I think you should check out. It's uh, developed by. Platinum Games. They did uh, Bayonetta and uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. When you look at the combat and everything going on in the game, you kind of get, uh, 
you know, where, where those sensibilities are coming from. But the game looks so incredibly legit. I mean, it looks like the 80s cartoon come to life. Totally, dude. I it's just amazing. I just pulled this up while you were talking. I knew nothing about this. And it look it does. It looks just like like this is this is the most awesome Transformers game I've seen. It looks just like the cartoon. That's the thing. Like, it'd, it'd be so easy to write this off. It's like, oh, well, it's just cell shade. It's like, okay, yeah, but that's not all it is. You know, like it really, really is doing some cool shit. I'm a huge fan of OG Transformers, n- not the recent flame decal Transformers so much, but uh, I am fucking stoked for this. I am definitely keeping my eye on this and I'm anxious to see a lot more about, you know, what they're doing in terms of story. They, they talked a little bit about how they're drawing from things like the IDW comics and stuff, which is a great idea because those were fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see kind of what they do with the mythology of transformers. So anyway, transformers devastation is real and it looks fucking awesome. Expect more on that soon. Do we have any idea when it's supposed to be coming? Brett? I don't know if they've said, yeah, I, I didn't see anything, but damn, that looks really, really incredible. I agree. Uh, all right, guys, with that, we're going to call it a show. And as usual, we want to turn it over to you and hear what you have to say about everything we talked about. Transformers Devastation, Unravel, the Skyrim Multiplayer Co-op Mod, Fallout Shelter, The Witcher 3, Hitman Sniper. Of course, what we talked about up in the clubhouse, uh, of course, what we talked about up in the clubhouse, all of the news that came out of E3 outside of just the game announcements. And then when we were hanging out in the garage, we talked about the division dropping the companion app, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, uh, Sony press conference preview and Rise of the Tomb Raider, the Siberian Wilderness gameplay. We want to hear what you guys think about that and all things gaming as usual. He is Brent Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. <laughs> <laughs>